holy word as we get right into the word this series is entitled the testimony of a worshiper october of every year is the month in which we highlight and we honor and we recognize the significance of praise and worship and so this october series uh, is the testimony of a worshiper God has given us the assignment of looking at one iconic, powerful psalm. That is the 23rd Psalm. That those six verses in that psalm, all month we have preached from that one psalm, Psalm 23. This is now the fourth of five messages from Psalm 23. The series is entitled the testimony of a worshiper. We're reading from the New International Version, and we're reading today verses 1 through verse 5. The subject is found in verse number 5. Hear the reading of God's holy word. The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. The King James says, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse number five, where the subject is found. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I think that'll preach all by itself. But here's where the subject is found in this last clause. You anoint my head with oil my cup overflows listen the new living translation says you honor me by anointing my head with oil my cup overflows the new living translation says with blessings my cup overflows with blessings as it is our custom to do reach over and catch someone by the hand as we bless the subject for today's message into someone else's spirit and place it in to the atmosphere the series once again is the testimony of a worshiper this is the fourth message in this series squeeze those hands look at somebody and say the blessing of the overflow. I tell somebody, get ready for the overflow. Amen. The blessings of the overflow. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the past three weeks, we have discussed in this one powerful psalm, uh, the importance of a testimony for worshipers. 
This psalm is the testimony of a great worshiper by the name of David. We have emphasized in every message, as we said to you, we will. I believe in redundancy. I believe in repeating things so you can get it, okay? And in every message, we have said to you that every genuine worshiper, I need you to pay attention to the language, not fake worshipers, not somebody who praised God over somebody else's testimony, not somebody who can wave their hands on Sunday, but can't speak to people on Monday. Amen. Every genuine worshiper should have a personal testimony of something that the Lord has done for you that no one else could have done. Whew. I often say to the congregation, if your mama can do it, it's not a miracle. If your preacher can do it for you, it is not a miracle. It is only a miracle when God does what nobody else can do. In the first message of this series, first testimony of King David is found in those first two verses. In that message, we stated that the Lord God is our shepherd, which simply means he is a mighty provider. That God provides for us when we cannot provide for ourselves. David said, I have been young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed to beg bread. Now, if you have your own testimony, you can declare with me that he is a provider. Food on your table, clothes on your back, shelter over your head. Whew. He is a provider. In the second message, week two of this series, it was said that not only is our Lord a provider, but he leads us, and this is why I like the NIV translation, along the right paths for his name's sake. That message was entitled, For His Name's Sake. In other words, God blesses us and keeps us straight, <laughs> not for the church's sake. Because folks say to me all the time, I hope I don't embarrass you. I said, look, I don't care if you embarrass me. You just need not embarrass the Lord. Okay? Because who you live for is not your pastor or anybody else. You live to honor God. So he leads us into that right path for his name's sake. And then on last week, the Lord met us here in a mighty way. Last week, it was stated that as worshipers, even though we walk through life's darkest valleys, we said to you on last week, those valleys often are damp, dark, narrow, and gloomy. Somewhere lurking in those valleys are enemies and predators. But we as worshipers, as we walk through life's darkest valleys, 
we declare that we will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. How many of you know that you're still not afraid? Tell somebody, I am not afraid. Even when trouble comes on every side, we know how to say everything is going to be all right because God is with us. And so now, as we move to this fourth message, in this message, our assignment is to highlight another aspect of the testimony of a genuine worshiper. That part of the testimony that simply says we are blessed. Somebody shout bless. Sometimes you got to let the enemy know who you are and you know whose you are. Amen. We are blessed with an anointing. Ooh. With an anointing that empowers us beyond what anything we can expect and beyond what our enemies thought would happen to us. Now that's the kind of anointing we are talking about today. In fact, we call it an overflow anointing. God says that I'll bless you with the anointing. When we talk about overflow, we're not just talking about materialistic things. But oftentimes we hear the word overflow and immediately we think of prosperity and overflow and God's going to put money in my bank account and God's, God's going to pay off my student debt. Now, if God does it, I, you ought to shout and give God a hand of praise. I believe he can do it. But we're talking about a special anointing that allows you to go through the worst times in your life. Can I get a witness? We're talking about an anointing that allows you to take a licking and keep on ticking. We're talking about an anointing that allows you to show up broke and busted and light bill due and car payment too. And you still got a praise. We're talking about an anointing that folk can't judge who you are by the countenance on your face because you don't look like what you've been through. Can I preach to somebody in here? Now, y'all going to make me preach. I've got another sermon to do at 3 o'clock, but I feel like preaching. We are talking about an overflow anointing that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord would block what the enemy thought would destroy you. Joseph puts it this way, what you meant for evil, God used it for my good. How many of you ever took a hater's curse and God turned it into a blessing on your behalf? I, I just need to make sure I'm in the right place. Is there anybody in here, has it, anybody got a testimony that God made a way in my life? In fact, in fact, turn to somebody and say not only do I have a testimony but you are looking at a testimony Woo. don't y'all make me hurt myself in here I, listen. my friend 
one of my mentors, Pastor Michael Rogers uh, from Portsmouth, Virginia, preached a message some years ago. He said, every now and then, you ought to have the gall to talk to the enemy and tell the devil, I am one blessed somebody. Now see, everybody can't do that. But every now and then, you ought to have enough anointing to look the haters and the demons and the liars and the backstabbers and folk that are trying to take you out and say, I am one blessed somebody. Anybody in here know that you are blessed because there is an anointing on your life that nobody can take from you. When God gets ready to bless you, don't y'all fool me now. But all the blessed folk, just wave your hands in the air. People used to say to me all the time, "Why don't take all that waving and hollering? You ever went to a football game? I seen grown, educated." Men slob and spit and holler and scream and waving their hands and wringing rags around. Oh, and I appreciate football. I'm a big fan over some juveniles playing a sport. But don't want you to praise God. Tell somebody the devil is a liar. For when I think of the goodness of Jesus, See, all of my Steeler fans, including my brother, where brother B.J. Jones, they got what's called the Turba Tower. <laughs> and I saw them the other day get manhandled, and they were still waving that tower. But to those of us to know that we've already won, and victory is ours. Y'all sit down so I can preach. Just hold that for a minute. Just hold it for one minute. When we speak of the God of the overflow, we're speaking about a God who can do far beyond what anybody even imagined that he could do. But here's the challenge. The challenge is we don't always possess the faith to believe that God is able through us, somebody say through us, to do what God has said he could do. And as a result of us not often possessing the faith, we live beneath our privileges. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. The New International Version says, 
and unto God who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. But here's the part that's so relevant to this message. By the power that works in us. That's what we are talking about when we talk about a special anointing. We are talking about a power that's at work in you that will allow you to do infinitely more than what you can even ask or think. Tell somebody you already have the power. That is the anointing. Listen in our text for the next few moments in our text. This iconic 23rd Psalm. Indeed, David, perhaps the greatest worshiper ever uh, known to mankind, at least the greatest worshiper we know in Holy Scripture. David writes this somewhat towards the end of his life. We've shared with you already three aspects of his testimony. And now in this fourth aspect, which is found in verse 5 of our text, David shares something else. But earlier, as we stated on last week, in verse 4, David shifts the focus. Somebody say shift. Uh, to this point, in the first three verses of this psalm, David talks about God in the abstract. In fact, he is talking more about the Lord, his God. He is my shepherd. He leads me besides green pastures and quiet waters. He talks about God in the abstract. And then something shifts in verses 4, 5, and 6. He no longer is talking about God, but he's talking to God. See, in verses 1, 2, and 3, he was by quiet waters and green pastures. But when you walk through the darkest valleys, you don't need a conversation about God. You need to know how to talk to God. Am I right about it? Uh, how many of you have talked to God when you're going through something? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And so when we are facing life's darkest valleys, we don't have time to act cute. When you are going through life's darkest valleys, you don't have time to be all analytical. You, you don't have time to show off your theological background. I, you don't have time to exercise, as I learned in seminary school, hermeneutics ethics. You don't have time to break it all down because now you need God to be with you. And he no longer becomes the God of the abstract, but he becomes the person of God. I just want to make sure somebody understands where I'm coming from. Is there anybody in here ever needed him to be your God? Come on, cancer came and you needed him to be your healer. Tuition was due and you needed him to be your provider. Your family act as if they lost their mind and you need him to be your redeemer. Somebody know what I'm talking about. So David shifts. Excuse me for being personal. David wanted to say, I need to break this down. And I need to let you know what God 
has done for me that only God could do. And so as we transition to verse 5 of the text, we see three things in this one verse that David wants us to understand. First thing is this. David says that the Lord is God, and he talks to God. He says, not he, but you. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. David said, listen to my testimony. I was Saul's mentee. I was his right-hand man. But because of jealousy and hatred, he who was my mentor, uh, he became my antagonist. He became my adversary. And David said, I had to flee from my home. And I had to live in a strange land. And of all the places can I preach God sent David to live. He sent David to Goliath home to live. Sent David to the land of the Philistine to live. Oh, what kind of God do we serve that allows you to go on enemy's territory and still take care of everything? Don't y'all make me preach up in here. What kind of God do we serve that allows one enemy to chase you and he leads you to the territory of another enemy and so as David sits in the land of the Philistine David needed food to eat David his family and a few renegades that followed David needed a provision and on three occasions in the writings of Samuel we see that God used his enemies to bring David food can I say that again God used his haters to provide all his needs don't you think God can't turn your haters into those who bless you God, David say here I am in the land of the Philistine, enemies that wanted to destroy me. And what does God do? God raises up somebody from the fold of my enemies. And on three occasions, he brings me a provision. So somewhere towards the end of David's life, David say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Woo, I feel like preaching. Look over at somebody and say, get ready. God is setting the table. Some of you, God is about to set the table. You are about to get blessed in a strange place. That same job that wanted to fire you, God's about to promote you. Tell somebody, get ready. God is setting the table. You are about to prosper in the presence of your enemies. Haters who wanted to take you out, God's going to take their stuff. Next month, Deacon Lumpkin, I'm working on a series that has one word. It's called more. And I just want to give you a preview of something. Do I have time to preach this? All I need is 15 more minutes. When Moses, through God, delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, they had nothing. 
They had been in bondage for hundreds of years. They had no clothes, had no silver, had no gold. But Exodus chapter 3 says when they left Egypt, they left with the Egyptian stuff. Who am I preaching to? Only God can keep you in bondage, then set you free. And when you leave, you leave with your enemy's stuff. That's next month's series. So the first aspect of this text says, he prepared the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the second is this. Whew. Now you've got to understand this testimony. Whew. He says to the Lord, you did something for me that no one thought was possible. Has anybody in here ever felt like you've been overlooked and passed by and everybody gets promoted, everybody gets something but you? Sooner or later you get all angry and the enemy gets in your ear and, and you feel like lashing back. But God says, sit tight. <laughs> I haven't forgotten your labor of love. David says, you anointed my head with oil. Now, in order for you to really understand this, you've got to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and then we're done. Beginning at verse number 6. Let me set it up for you. God had rejected King Saul. God went to the prophet by the name of Samuel and says, I need you to go to Bethlehem and in the house of Jesse, one of his sons would be the next king of Israel. Can I set this up? So Samuel gets his oil and he goes to Bethlehem and he sees Jesse and his family and he calls for a sacrifice and the first one he sees is that older son who looks like a king walks like a king had the aura of a king his name was Eliab and even Samuel Dr. Barbara Moore was fooled by what he saw. I need to preach because a whole lot of us look at people and they say, you look like the next great thing. But everything that looks good is not always God's anointed. So, verse 6, Samuel saw Eliab and he said that surely this is God's anointed. But then God had a word for Samuel. Uh, verse number 7. 1 Samuel chapter 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, 
for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Somebody ought to be so glad that God didn't judge you by who your parents were, by how good you look, by how articulate you may be, by how well you sing. But God said to Samuel, Samuel, that's not the one. Text goes on. There was another boy by the name of Abinadab. Ah, he came before Samuel, and Samuel said the oil would not flow on Abinadab. Samuel said, is there another? They found another son by the name of Shamar. The oil would not flow. They went through seven sons of Jesse. I need to preach David's testimony. How many of you been overlooked over and over and over and over again? But when the Lord gets ready, I see you, Deacon Reb. I didn't know you were there, my friend. But when the Lord gets ready, the oil got to flow. Samuel said to Jesse, I'm somewhat confused. You brought seven sons before me, and none of them the oil would flow on. Is there another? Jesse said, there's one more. But I don't know if he's the one or not. He's young. He's in a spirit. And he's out there with the stink sheep. He didn't even have time to come into the house and take a shower. He cannot be the one. Samuel said, go get David. And David came into the house. And come on, Jonathan. And David did not even know what the occasion was. But Samuel said, here is the oil. And pulled the oil on David's head. And it flowed from the crown of his head to the soul of his feet. My cup runneth over. Somebody ought to help me praise God. Touch somebody and say, neighbor, when the world forgot about you, God anointed you. God anointed you. Overflow, overflow, overflow. Don't tell me what the Lord can't do. Won't he do it? Will he not do it? Has he not done it? All I need is just a few praises that God brought you from a mighty long ways. Stand to your feet. Clap your hands. Come on, Zion. Come on, Zion. Get ready. Number three is the overflow. Number two was the anointing. 
I stopped by to tell you, not only did God anoint him, but he gave him an anointing that overflowed. I'm about to leave, but Deacon Lumpkin, my uncle, you would appreciate this. I gave the church this morning an analogy. Some of you are too young to know about drinking coffee out of a cup and a saucer. Can I get a witness? But I had a granddaddy who lived in Arthurtown by the name of Madison Lumpkin. He would get his coffee and he would get a sauce and he would fill the cup over until it ran in the sauce. And what I did not know was that granddaddy didn't have the sauce for himself, but he had the saucer for those of us sitting around the table. His cup, his cup overflowed that he was able to bless his grandchildren. I stopped by to tell somebody that God is about to bless you that you will be able. Oh, y'all help me praise God. Y'all excuse us. But when I... Tell somebody, excuse me. But I'm living in the overflow. The only reason some of you are here right now is God allowed your grandparents' blessing to overflow in your life. I know the only reason I'm here because I'm in Janie and A.C. Jackson's overflow. Anybody living in the overflow, when I... Get you a praise partner and say, get ready, get ready. It's about to overflow. Things you hope for, things you have waited on, things you never thought you can get. God is about to give you more. I got to praise him. I've got to praise him one more time when I... Lift those hands. My cup overflows. At the beginning of this word, I said to the Lord, not only speak a rhema word, which is a right now word, but we need you to speak a prophetic word. Speak to somebody today about something in their future. <laughs> now, if you don't have the faith to believe that God can speak to you right now about something in your future.
Like the artist who would have imagined a girl from West Virginia can have been two college presidents with a Juris Doctor and a PhD. Somebody shout over, flow. Who would have imagined Deacon Lumpkin, Abbott Jackson, both sides of my family, that a young man whose parents came from Taylor's, Arthurtown, Little Camden, grew up on 48 Highway, Ooh. would one day become at that time the youngest African-American state senator. Somebody shout, overflow. Who would have imagined Deacon Carlos Mays, my good brother, who is a colonel in the United States military and human resource director extraordinaire, young man from Alabama, deep country, Alabama. Sergeant Teresa King, raise your hands. You see that lady? She was the first female drill sergeant instructor in the country. Who would have imagined that? But when you serve God of the overflow, now God is speaking prophetic. He says to somebody in here, it's not over. That I'm about to fill you up. I would do for you what no one else could do. Just like I anointed the eighth son of Jesse. He became the greatest king of Israel. God will anoint you you will be able to declare my cup overflows. You know who benefited from David's overflow? King Solomon. It was the wisest man to ever live. Who built the greatest structure of his time at that moment. Speaking to someone right now. And no matter how rough you think it is, what you may be going through. God can fill you up. God can let it overflow. I need someone to leave their seats. Don't even think twice about it and walk down these aisles and say, I'm ready for an overflow. I'm tired of living beneath my privilege. I'm tired of settling for ordinary. What I like about this new president of Benedict is she has raised the bar. She has said that we expect more than just ordinary. Whew. You've got to believe in Here's what God says. God says, I'll provide the fire. <laughs> you provide the sacrifice. And even sometimes God tells us we provide the fire. God says he will be the sacrifice. Somebody is about to overflow. Look at this altar. All of these young men, basketball team, the entire basketball team, girls basketball team from Benedict, boys basketball team from Allen University, 
All of these young people are at the altar. Because you don't have to settle for ordinary. You don't have to settle for mediocre. God can do more than we can even ask or think. Tasha Cobbs writes this song and says, Lord, if you provide the fire, I'll provide sacrifice. If you pour out your spirit, the Lord says, I'll open up inside. Anyone in here want God to just fill you up? Just wave those hands in the air. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, God. Fill me up until I overflow. I'm speaking prophetically to someone in here. The best in your life is still yet to come. David never would have imagined himself being king. His own father doubted David's credentials. But when God is for you, who can be against you? Yeah, yeah. You provide the fire. All the worshipers just lift those hands. Yeah. I'll provide the sacrifice. God is about to do something extraordinary. Ooh. You yeah. pour out your spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. And I will open up inside. You Do it, Lord, right now. I'll provide the sacrifice. <laughs> you pour out your spirit. Saint Francis, yeah, yeah. I will open up inside. I will open up. Fill me up. Come on, tell him, fill me up. Fill me up. Ooh, this is just you and God now. Lord, somebody needs you right Jesus. now. St. Francis, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you sing that song, Francis. I want to run over. I want to run over. I want to run over. So fill me up until I overflow. I 
Listen. Here's what God said to me. You know that analogy I shared with you? My grandfather, Grandfather Lumpkin. <laughs> the reason he filled his cup to the brim with the saucer catching the overflow was not for him. Because he knew at his table was Sal, Jan, Daryl, Thea, Mac, Cousin Tony from California. <laughs> and granddaddy had a method, Mom. The overflow whew, was for the grandchildren. <laughs> and God reminded me, I'm living in the overflow right now. I I'm living because A.C. Jackson and Janet Jackson were faithful. I'm, I'm living because folk made sacrifices. And God said to some of you right now that I'm going to bless you so that your overflow will bless generations that comes after you. See, Madison wasn't able to matriculate to Benedict College, but he knew somewhere in the saucer <laughs> Dr. Mary Helms was a grandson and was somebody else and Andrew Jackson, my other granddaddy, knew somewhere in the saucer was his grandson Chip who would go to the State Department of Education and be the head of Trident Technical College. He knew somewhere there was an overflow that'll catch somebody else. So I need you to look at somebody and say, you're living under the overflow. And because the anointing of God is so heavy in this place, God is about to do something for you, even things you did not even deserve. But get ready, fill me up. Come on, friends. those hands now here's the challenge the one thing that separated David was that he had a relationship with God <laughs> and the reason he could walk through life's darkest valley fear no evil the reason his cup could overflow with blessings was because he had a relationship with God I want to say something. His relationship didn't start when he became king. He had a relationship with God when he was a shepherd boy and nobody knew his name. Woo. God told me to tell you, if you maintain that relationship with me, he said, I'll take you to places you never imagined. I, I, I'll do things for you. And, let me tell you something, and Dr. Artis, I, I would love to be selfish and say we want to keep you forever, 
But as you were speaking, God says he's got something great on this young lady's life because she is not only well-informed, but she's anointed. And there are a whole lot of educated, non-anointed people that won't ever achieve anything. But when God is on your side, lift those hands. Here's the challenge. If you just need that relationship with God to be better, if you're not where you ought to be, if you're not committed to anything greater than yourself, then after we pray this prayer, you just remain at this altar. If you're young and in school, you just need a covering. You just need somebody to watch over your soul. Pray for you as you go through it. To those of you who have not committed to something greater than what you're going through, God says now is the time. And if you don't remember anything else about this series about David, remember this. The relationship does not begin when you get in trouble. Ooh. He had a relationship, and as he went through trouble, that's when the relationship kicked in. You need that relationship. You don't have to be perfect. David was far from perfect. Even after he had been anointed, he became a murderer and an adulterer. But because the hand of God was on his life, Ooh, the enemy could not steal his anointing. Close those eyes. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for the testimony of a worshiper. We thank you for reminding us, like David, we don't have to be perfect. Just be willing to commit ourselves to you. And Lord, I thank you for this fourth message in this series which we are living in the overflow. David said, you anoint my head with oil. Ooh, when nobody else would choose me, when nobody else thought I was worthy to be anything, you waited on me. <laughs> you chose me. Uh, you, you put me in a position of authority. And now my cup runneth over. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of the overflow. We're living in the overflow right now. Touch someone who's viewing by way of internet, someone's listening by way of radio. Go with them right now, Lord. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. Those who know it is so, say amen. Find two people, put your arms around them, say overflow. Come on, speak prophetically in somebody's life, overflow. Come on, if you want to make that commitment, if you're here this morning, come on, stand. Come on, young lady, I see you coming. Others that are coming, anybody? Fill me up. Come on. Yeah. Thank you. Somebody else, look at this wonderful young lady. Somebody else, come stand. Somebody else is coming. Fill me up. Look at these that are standing at this altar. These are all young people giving their life to the Lord. Look at God. This is your son. This is her son. Somebody shout overflow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Look at these young men standing with this young brother. Look at this whole team. Come on, I, I want the cameras to see this. This young man came down and his whole team came to stand behind him. Don't tell me what God can't do. Fill me up. Come on, come on, by the way. You want to know where young people are? Here are young people. These are young people that are fill me up, Lord. I want Others are coming. Wave those hands in the air. some young men to come go and minister to him. Come on. Brother Tyshawn, I want Look at somebody still coming. Someone is still coming. Come on, Jason. Go ahead, Jason. Minister to him. Look at it. Fill me up. This is the overflow. This is the overflow. Fill me up. Thank you, Lord. For everybody in here who's praying for your child. Everybody in here who's praying for your child. You're praying for your grandchild. God says it's about to happen. It is about to happen right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on. As we take him on.